When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A one, two, three, four. Welcome to another episode of Insights. In this episode, we talk with Ryan Young, the fiddle player from Trampled by Turtles. While they didn't all grow up in Duluth, Minnesota, they did meet there and ultimately form the band that is a festival favorite. We discussed why the band has such a passionate group of fans, how their unique blend of music makes them popular on the festival circuit, and how they all famously enjoy each other's company even after being together for many, many years. They recently released a new album, Alpenglow, produced by Jeff Tweedy of Wilco and his studio in Chicago. We talked about the process of arranging songs while in the studio and what Jeff Tweedy brought to the project. We also talked about one of their passions outside of music, the Boundary Waters Canoe Wilderness, and the importance of preserving these beautiful lands. Enjoy this conversation with Ryan Young. Now, where are you? Are you uh, in uh, Minnesota or? Minnesota, yep. It's uh, snowing right now. I'll show you this here. Yeah, please show me. Are you in Duluth or are you someplace else? I'm in the Twin Cities, actually. Look at that. Look at that. It's beautiful. Yeah, the snow might be uh, too small to see in the in the video, but it's it's like it's snowing right now currently. So, oh, that's oh no, I can see it. I can see the flakes. Um, wow! So you're gonna have a white Christmas. Yep. Now you guys uh, grew up in Duluth, though, right? Not actually. We that's where the band started, but nobody grew up there. Okay, where did y'all grow up then? Somewhere close, or how did y'all all end up in Duluth? I should say. Um, yeah, we grew up all over the uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin, and um, um, nobody in Duluth though. But that's where everybody just met. Eventually, some people went to college. Some other people were just there for whatever reason, and uh, the band started and. So there, and so kind of became a Duluth band, and we still call ourselves a Duluth band, uh, even though nowadays nobody lives there anymore. We've all moved to different places, like as far away as uh, Colorado, where our banjo player lives. I still live in Minnesota, but I'm in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. So is everyone, though, living in a place that has winter? Yes. (laughs) Now, did you grow up skiing and doing all the winter sports, ice skating? Not what really. I'm I'm an avid indoorsman. Um, and it's like really, I, I have done, you know, the um, 
it's really flat here. So there, there's not a lot of skiing. There's a couple little hills. Um, but I never really did that growing up. I did do a little bit of, you know, ice skating and uh, a little bit of, um, I don't know, like winter uh, fishing and stuff like that. I never, I kind of got, got out of both of those things, though. I don't really fish much anymore. Or if I do go fishing, it's usually with other people and I'm just hanging out while they're fishing, <laughs> like playing music or or whatever. Um, so yeah, well, you, I don't know. Well, you and I have something in common because we're both fiddle players. Oh, right on. Yeah. So when did you learn? Were you a kid or did you learn when you were a little bit older? Um, partially both. I started when I was 11, but that was with the fourth grade orchestra in school. And so, you know, of course they teach you how to like, where to put your fingers and how to hold the bow and how to move that the right way. But I didn't start doing um, fiddle style music or basically just improvising until much later. So that was like around 2003-ish. Um, so, yeah, like what I, it was basically right when, uh, right when Trampled by Turtles started. And also there's this, the, the band that actually made me start doing that was a band called Partner Sandstone, who actually still perform, but I don't. I'm not a member of that band anymore, but they, they started playing music and they knew that I played violin and they, you know, they, I was friends with these people. So they're like, Hey, do you want to like sit in and play music with us? And I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And it turned out that playing improvising music was a lot easier for me than being an orchestra was. I was never like particularly awesome at that. I wasn't like horrible or anything, but um, I, I feel like I'm a much better uh, player when I when people just tell me what key it's in and I just get to listen and try to make up something that, you know, doesn't suck, <laughs> hopefully. <clears throat> so. so what is the what is the origin story then that y'all stick with for Trampled by Turtles? When did you meet and when did you say, OK, we're going to actually form a band here. We're not just jamming. Well, I wasn't there at the very beginning. At the very beginning, it was the mandolin player and the guitar player. And they were both in other bands. Um, and they just started a side project duo. They weren't called Trampled by Turtles at that point. They were just two friends playing music together. And um, uh, then after they, 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 I think they, uh, I wasn't there. So I, this is just what I understand is they, they had a weekly gig and our banjo player ended up going to that weekly gig. And eventually mustered up the courage to be like, hey, I'm a banjo player. Do you ever want to play with a banjo? Uh, and they were like, sure. So then then they added him. And then as a trio, those three, and I, they still weren't called Trampled by Turtles at this point, I don't think. Maybe, maybe they were, I'm not sure. But as a trio, this band played with another band and ended up stealing their bass player. Uh, <laughs> for a while, that bass player was in both bands, but... Um, um, so that was Tim, our bass player. So then they got him. And then I was the next to join <laughs> because the, the uh, we just met uh, eventually and I started playing with them. And then the last to join was our cello player. Um, so, you know, it was just people that didn't grow up together necessarily or actually not even necessarily. We did not grow up together, but we just met along the way. 
and um it just really worked out everybody's personality really is compatible and everybody is an excellent musician you know uh so everybody just it just worked and so we we're still doing it so was there kind of an instant synergy between the players and when did you put out your first album 2003 was the first one and yeah i've never i've noticed it right away it was like um it was i've been playing music my whole life um in bands uh, well i starting when i was like 16 or so i i played guitar and bass as well so i've been playing music you know for a long time and uh these people are uh it's 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 kind of a special thing we have going the way that everybody listens to each other and the way that we all uh you know the way that the music gets written and performed uh is kind of special i've never really experienced that with other people uh just everybody in this band is a really really good listener that's really what it boils down to like so if like for example if the banjo player is doing we're learning a brand new song or something and the banjo player comes up with a really good idea. Everybody else will either uh, support that in some way or get out of the way. So they don't, they don't, you know, get in the way of that good idea or um, whereas like other bands I've played in people really don't listen that hard. People will get off from each other because they're not listening or people have their own thing that they want to play and they just play it without considering what other people are doing. And, you know, it's not ideal. So plus everybody in Trampled by Turtles is just a great person. Like we all get together. We all get along really well. There's never really any. Uh... I've also been in other bands where, you know, the guitar player kind of secretly hates the bass player or. <laughs> or whatever, you know, like or will like say a bunch of like nasty stuff behind another person's back and. Like there's all this like kind of under underneath animosity going on. And that doesn't happen with trampoline turtles. Everybody's really mature and just like gets along and, um, you know, people no divas, get, <laughs> no divas really. There's like everybody, like, you know, people get crabby and stuff, like, especially if we're on the road for a long time, you know, and that's just n normal. That'll happen. But it, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not a deal breaker. Like everybody knows like, okay, well, this person's kind of uh, a little crabby. Let's just leave him alone for a while, <laughs> you know, and nobody <laughs> takes it personally. Whereas like in other bands, like people just take things really personally. And I don't know, it, it's hard. It's maybe it's a little hard to describe, but the, the gist of it is that everybody gets along really well. And uh, that's a huge part. That's huge. Yeah. How is it being on the bus together or do you travel separately? No, we're all together and it's good. Everybody. Everybody uh, is fairly uh, respectful of other people's spaces. Like there's, <laughs> you know, there's there's the party dudes, and then then there's the non-party dudes, and that's where the biggest like split is. Like some people are, some people go to bed earlier than other people. So you know, and the people that stay up late, you know, they're they're getting better at it. At first, they were like a little bit just you know super noisy and you know just like I don't know. But uh, we're, we just like, you know, we talk like adults and we're just like, hey, some people are trying to sleep. Let's uh, bring down the <laughs> intensity level just a little bit. 
And uh, then we do that and it works out, you know, like nobody's, nobody gets angry at another person or I don't know. It's just really, everybody's mature, which is awesome. So some people describe your music as a, kind of a blend of bluegrass, folk, indie rock. Um, was that the music that everyone was listening to and how did that kind of evolve? And would you describe it that way or would you describe it some other way? Um, no, well, the, to answer your first question, no, none of us really listened to that. Uh, meaning, you know, indie bluegrass folk music, uh, you know, back in the day, we, nobody listened to that and is like, Hey, let's do that. Mm -hmm. We just kind of became what we are. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, everybody has different, comes from a different place. Our bass player is into like. Uh, everybody's into a little bit of everything, but I'm just going to give an example of what people are bringing to the table. Basically our bass players into like, you know, maybe like old uh, Motown and R and B. And then our banjo players into like um, smart jam bandy kind of music. And I, I listen to uh, a lot of like punk rock and all, but also like jazz music and our, uh, our mandolin players like uh he's a he's a deadhead he loves the grateful dead and you know but we all love all of that stuff it's just like so anyway uh we all bring these different things and none of them are bluegrass <laughs> <laughs> none of us listen to bluegrass back in the day you know and, and we're like brought up on that and and heavily influenced by that really we're just an acoustic we're just a band uh, we're the most uh, accurate description of us is just a rock and roll band that plays acoustic instruments. And, you know, some of the one of the acoustic instruments is a banjo and another of the acoustic instruments is a mandolin. So therefore, you might think, oh, bluegrass. But we don't really play bluegrass songs, you know, like we we don't. <laughs> so. It's it's okay if people call us a bluegrass band because we certainly look like one. Uh, but <laughs> if you if you look like one, just meaning like if you look at what instruments we're playing. But if you were to like just like listen to the music and not, you know, um, we have a lot more in common with Neil Young, I think, than we do, or, and Bob Dylan and people like that, than we do with uh, you know Flat and Scruggs or. Bill Monroe or any of those people, you know. Well, hey, Bob Dylan came from up in that neck of the woods. Good. Yeah, he's from Duluth, where we're from. Yeah, I mean, that's like pretty a, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, I noticed you guys put out about, the, well, you, you just put out your 10th album, Album Glow, and we're going to talk about that one here in a couple of minutes. I was listening to it, and to your point you just made, it sounded like straight up rock and roll to me. And yeah. um I love the new album. We're going to talk about that, but just a few more things before we get there. You guys have put out, this is your 10th album. And it sounds like kind of every couple of years you're putting out an album. Does everyone write music or is it more of one person who writes and everyone arranges or how does that work in Trample it's by Turtles? It's more that second thing. Um, maybe 90 5% of our music, meaning like the chords and the words are written by our guitar player and lead singer, Dave Simonette. And he's an excellent songwriter. 
the the other five percent are written by either our uh, banjo player or mandolin player and um so he will for the 95 percent of songs that are written by dave he will bring the songs in and we usually don't really know the songs before we get into the studio there there's a few exceptions but um for the most part we don't or we haven't in the past and so he'll bring the songs you know like either either mostly completed or sometimes all the way completed as far as like all the words and stuff and he'll just play them for us and sing them and we will you know just sit there with our instruments and maybe the first time just kind of play along a little bit and but mostly just listening and then the second we'll run it again and this time we'll start actually playing and then listening to each other and like this is at the studio like we're, while we're, we're just about to record it and then we'll do it one more time and hit record you know and everybody's just like i said is a really good listener so like if mandolin does something cool everybody just like backs that up you know or gets out of the way or whatever and then you know in the meantime we're we're arranging it like we might decide uh let's you know maybe take out a chorus here and put those two verses together and then go to the verse and then or you know just little arrangement things like that or what what would what would happen if we just started with you know just the fiddle and the and the banjo and then eventually when we get to the first verse then you know the mandolin can come in let's try that or whatever you know so we'll arrange the song but we all just basically come up with our own parts and it's for the most part it's improvised so for me i have to like um it's kind of a a lot of stress <laughs> at the studio because <laughs> i need to make something up and have it sound good because that's good that's the way it's going to be you know i don't get to write it ahead of time um but it's you know it works out everybody's like i said everybody's a really good listener so we always make it sound pretty good and then after we record it i'll, I'll have to listen to it and figure out what i was playing so that i can recreate that live i was wondering about that do you worry about being able to duplicate what you did in the studio when you're on tour or do you just not even worry about that i don't really worry about it i it's a, it's a problem for another day <laughs> <laughs> um so you know there are times where i overdub myself and there's actually two violins playing or i play <clears throat> excuse me i also play viola so there might be you know violin and viola playing at the same time and of course i can't do them both at the same time and there's even sometimes where i'm just like making a full orchestra sound or you know like a, maybe like a string quartet sound with like a couple violins a viola and then we have a cello player now and uh we might double or triple all of those things so it makes sounds like a like a small little orchestra playing um and then you know and then just i'll listen to it later and then just figure out what would be the best thing to do you know i obviously can't recreate that exactly so just what would be the best thing to do and very infrequently it's something completely different than on the recording that doesn't happen too often but it happens there are some songs that i do something very different than what's on the recording just because I came up with a better idea later. <laughs> so, but that's hey, cool. As a fiddle player, do you have lots of different instruments like guitar players? I mean, I only have one or two acoustic violins and then I'm getting myself an electric violin. Um, 
but I haven't, I had one in the past, but I'm getting a new one. Um, but do you have multiple instruments or do you mainly play the same instrument? I have multiple. I've got, I've got like three or four just regular violins. I have, I have four really, but one of them is, uh, has been stolen actually. And I'm trying to get it back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I have four really, but, uh, three are in my possession. Uh, I also, and then I have a viola and then I have a, a, a bass violin and a bass viola, which basically means it's, it's a regular violin and a regular viola, but the strings on there are an octave lower. So I play the bass violin like a violin and I play the bass viola like a viola, but it's way down there, like in the cello bass range. That has to come in handy sometimes. I would. Oh yeah. I don't, uh, I don't tour with those, uh, but I use them on recordings all the time. I I I tour with two violins that are, are one's normal tuning and another one is tuned up a half step. So it's, you know, it'd be a flat, E flat, B flat and F. Um, and the reason I do that is because, um, sometimes in songs, uh, I really like having, um, it, well, it's, it, it, it's the same reason a guitar player would use a capo. It's like it's easier to do it with a capo than it is to do it without one uh, for particular keys and particular songs. So for some songs, like if we're playing in the key of E flat, um, if I want like an open string sound, like with drone strings or whatever, I'll use that violin that's tuned up a half step. And I play as if we're playing in the key of D. So. And then I bring so up how the- do you ha- so how, how do you guys choose the songs? When you, so when you get in the studio, is it just, hey, there's, here's 10 songs, or are there 20 songs or 30 songs, and you're whittling it down to the 10 that are, that are going to go on the album? Um, there's oftentimes a, a few extras. It's, it's never like 20 s- songs, but like if there's 10 songs on the record, there might be you know 12 or 13 songs that we actually tried. And then we just got rid of the the three that we, you know, that didn't turn out as good as we hoped. And then oftentimes we'll we'll try those songs next time on the next record, and we'll see if we can do a better job. That was the case with um, "Wait So Long," which is a song off of uh, Palomino, <clears throat> which is for many people our our most well known song. We actually recorded that for the record before that which was called Duluth and it didn't make the cut. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then, it, you know, we recorded it again and it sounded better and that became our most well-known song for, for most people. It's funny how that is, right? Yeah. I've talked to more than one person who said, we had no idea that this song was going to be the biggest hit. Yeah. And um, like as a band, you don't know what was going to resonate with people always, yeah. you know? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know when we recorded it the first time, you know, I liked the song, but I I didn't think it was that much better than any of our other songs. I thought it was just another good song, you know, but people see yeah, people really uh connected with that one. So that's great. Well, you guys strike me as the band that 
and touring is important because you you have rabid fans that show up all over the place. And is is touring a big part of what you do? Yeah. Um, yep, that's the that's the, definitely the thing that takes most of our time. You know, only every every few years we'll record a new record, and that just takes you know usually we can record a record in about a week or less. Uh, but the all the whole rest of the time we're playing shows. So that's mostly what being in Trampled by Turtles is all about, is playing shows. And, you know, the way that the music industry is now, you don't, musicians can't really live off being a studio band anymore. You have to play shows to make money. So, and we all do this as our job, as our main job. I have other side jobs too. I have a recording studio and I teach violin lessons and stuff, but my main gig is Trampled by Turtles and, uh, you know, selling Spotify streams is not, doesn't cut it, (laughs) you know, as I'm sure you know. Oh, absolutely. Everything changed. Um, Once we went to streaming, you almost have to tour in order to really make money in the business anymore. I mean, you guys go to a lot of festivals too, like Telluride Bluegrass Festival, Bonnaroo, Coachella. And um, those are big festivals. I mean, do you like festivals the same way you like shows, just individual shows? Or are they better, different? They're definitely different, but I like them just as much. Uh, I wouldn't say I like them better or worse, but they're certainly fun. I, w- I, I would definitely get uh, burnt out if that's all we ever did. But having having like the 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 festival season you know late spring to early fall in there and there's festivals in there that's certainly fun but if that if if that's what we did all year i would probably get burnt out on festivals so but they're certainly fun um so what is it about your music that you think so resonates with with fans that i mean they're kind of rabid they're they're trying to find you anywhere they can and so what is it about? Is it your performance? Is it the fact that every show is different? What is it? Yeah, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but I would say if I had to guess, at least some people uh, enjoy that our songs can be uh, extremely high energy and, you know, just exciting and fun and loud and fast. And then the next song will be like a really pretty song that's slow and, you know, with excellent lyrics and, uh, you know, full of emotion. And, uh, you know, so we, we run the whole, the whole spectrum of like emotions uh, in our music. And of course there's the middle, there's, there's songs that, are somewhere in the middle where they're like medium speed or whatever. But so there's a wide range of, of, of song types, everything from like, basically it would be like speed metal played with acoustic instruments all the way down to like, what would be like maybe a piano ballad, but played with acoustic instruments. Um, And then, you know, also this, like the songwriting is really good. Dave's an excellent songwriter and lyricist and everybody in our band is really good at what we do like and it's a little bit it's a little bit unusual what what we are and what we do it's not the same old thing like there's a million bands that sound like 
um, traditional bluegrass. And then there's another million bands that sound like jam band music. And then there's another million bands that sound like, you know, just uh, modern, modern alternative rock or whatever the term is. And those types of genres that I just named are bands that we play with or like uh, that are at festivals that we're at. And we don't sound like any of that, you know, so we're um, a little bit just different. So I think that's exciting for people like just, oh, this isn't just the same old bluegrass band that, you know, could be anybody, <laughs> but it. Um, so any any and all of that everybody has their own personal reasons why they like us but those are just a couple of guesses so i read that and speaking of making money in the music business you guys have had your songs placed in certain tv shows like the the deadliest catch and catch and squidbillies and how does that work actually did they just find your music and call you up and say hey can we use this song or do they make you record it a certain way for the show um no well the second thing you said is not the way it happens uh, they take songs that we've already recorded um for the most part that isn't always true the squidbillies one they specifically wanted i can't remember if they specifically asked us to do that song or if they i think that's what i think that's what they asked us for anyway for the most part though um uh, TV shows or um, commercials or uh, movies, they will take songs that are already recorded off of one of our records and asked to use it for whatever they're going to use it for. Um, that's how most of the time it works. And we've hired a um, a publishing company to help us find opportunities like that to make some extra money. So they they have the ins on all of the, um, you know, the people to talk to to make that happen. So uh, that's far from what I do. So I don't know any of the details about it, but that's that's basically how it happens. We we hired somebody to do that. Well, let's talk about Alpenglow because that's the latest album. And what does Alpenglow mean? There's it's an actual term. Yeah. What does it mean? Uh, well, it's it's like a it's the sometimes the top part of a mountain will glow at the right time of day, usually sunrise or sunset when the sun is. Uh, I don't know all the physics behind it, but it's like a it's a natural occurring uh, phenomenon where the sun gets at the right angle and and comes through the atmosphere at the right angle and the top of a mountain will just glow. And the term for that is called Alpenglow. If you if you Googled it, there's a bunch of images of it. It's really pretty. Um, well, and this album just came out. It's produced by Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. It was released yeah. on October 28th via 30 Tigers. Um, so how does Alpenglow apply to this particular set of songs that you chose for the album? Honestly, it doesn't really. It's it, not in any like, way that i could explain it's mostly just it sounds like a good title <laughs> it doesn't none of the songs are written about that or we were we didn't know what the album was going to be called when we were recording it we came up with the title months later um so it was just like um it was just like a brainstorm we all had a bunch of 
different names we were throwing into the hats, you know, and that was just one that kind of stuck. Um, the at the last second, right before, right after we decided it was going to be called Alpenglow, um, I had the idea to call it a uh, kind country. Um, and that would have been cool for a couple reasons. It was just too late though. They already started like pressing the, <laughs> the records. It would have been cool to call it kind country for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, Wilco's newest record is called cruel country. <clears throat> and it has a song on it on there called um, a lifetime to find, which is written by Jeff Tweedy. And we covered that song uh, on our new record. So we also play a lifetime to find written by Jeff Tweedy. Um, and then secondarily, there's a band from the Twin Cities here um, called Kind Country. And their uh, lead singer and mandolin player unfortunately died recently. And that would have been a nice little tribute to to them. I'm, I'm really good friends with all of those people. And they recorded one of their records at my studio. And I don't know. I, I it, it it would it would have been a perfect thing to call it. It was just a, I had the idea just like a little bit too late. <laughs> but Elf and Glow is great. I like that title too. Like that was that's a, a good choice for it. Well, did you guys know Jeff Tweedy before you recorded with him or had him produce the album? Uh, a little bit. We we we'd cross paths a few times at different festivals and whatnot. Um, but we weren't like close buddies or anything but yeah we 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 crossed paths he knew who we were before we got him to do that for us um which is i'm sure helped him to decide to say yes to do it is because we'd for for a number of years we'd seen each other over and over again at different festivals and things so so where did you record it is his uh, studio um, yeah, I think it's his uh, studio in Chicago, right? Yep, that's where we recorded it. It's called the Loft, and it's uh, it's uh, it's an amazing place. It's uh, it's not it's uh, it's not like uh, it's not like super glamorous or anything. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a where a big warehouse space, but it's filled with like thousands of instruments and gear and you know like uh organs and drum sets and and uh you know amplifiers and effects pedals and just you name it there's it's there and uh so we took advantage of that there's like all the our, our bass player used a few different basses that were there and our guitar player used a few different guitars that were there along with their own instruments too um mandolin player as well banjo everybody but me basically or and and the cello he doesn't he didn't have like violins and cellos there so we used our own instruments but everybody else <clears throat> when when it was appropriate used one of his instruments uh the clearest example of that is on a couple songs uh our banjo player dave we have two daves in our band uh their banjo dave um used one of jeff's Jeff Tweedy's uh, fretless banjos, and that's that's on the record a couple times, and it's very easy to recognize that that's a fretless banjo because he does a lot of sliding around on it. Um, so that that worked out really well. So that made that made it so that after we recorded that, uh, Banjo Dave had to go out and buy a fretless banjo, which now he 
travels with and uses. So that's that's amazing. It turned out really well, those fretless banjo parts. So what do you think Jeff Sweetie brought to the recording process on this particular album? Um, he he was not afraid to uh give us sometimes uh some radical uh ideas um uh, like arrangement ideas or uh even even changing the chords of the song ideas um and we would try them out you know and if they wouldn't have worked we wouldn't have done them but i don't think there was ever a suggestion he made where it didn't work out he's just full of great ideas so uh, uh, uh the the first example is coming to mind is um there's a song called it's so hard to hold on and the intro to that song originally was just the the chords in the verse it was just the verse chords played one time through and that's the intro and then we jump into the verse and that it sounded fine and that's how a lot of our songs start uh but jeff was like he just grabbed a guitar and he's like, what if you, and he like kind of quickly figured something out. And he's like, don't just do the intro chords. What try, see what happens if you just do this instead, like change that around uh, the chords. And then myself and the, myself and the cello player um, played what we were already playing and just, it fit with the new chords, but in a different way, like, um, and it just was much more interesting of an introduction to a song. and so we did it and it worked and we're like, okay, that's how it's going to start now. <laughs> and he was full of ideas like that. So, so was it business as usual in that you go in the studio and, you know, day brings in the songs and you guys kind of jam and figure it out, or was there a little more structure um, or, you know, was it a little bit different of a process uh, this time around? It was mostly the same other than having Jeff there to he was just another person to uh to bounce ideas off of basically is what his job was like we would uh, ask him for his opinion on things and he would give his opinion if he had one and uh like i said every once in a while he'd just like initiate an idea he'd just like out of nowhere be like hey what try this and see if that works and it it, in and it pretty much always did so. Well, and you mentioned that A Lifetime to Find is a song that he wrote that's on Wilco album. It's also on uh, this album. And what do you think, how do you think your version differs from the Wilco version of the song? Uh, his version, the Wilco version is a lot more country sounding. Like, you know, traditional old school country sounding, not new pop country, of course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's more. Uh, I don't know, along the lines of, I don't know, like, I don't know, Willie Nelson. I, I don't know if that's exactly a perfect uh, exa- analogy or example, but it's it sounds more like that. Whereas ours, uh, the Wilco version has some like pedal steel guitar on it, you know, and like the 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 kind of country style drum beat and and stuff. So that's that's the main difference. Otherwise, the chords and the words are all the same. 
it's just a different ours is uh ours is like i said like a rock and roll band playing with acoustic acoustic instruments version and his his version is like a old old style country band well and you mentioned earlier that your music varies during your sets from something really fast to very slow and melodic and um, I loved it so hard to hold on. It was one of those songs. It was an immediate sing along. I was listening to it for the first time and I found myself already singing along by the end of the song. Um, and then burlesque desert window. Tell me about that one. Cause that one sort of had a, a little bit of that same feel. Tell me about that song. Yeah, that song was uh, definitely one of the more most poppy sounding songs like pop music style. Um. So yeah, that one is uh, it, every. It seems like in the last few records, anyway, we've had at least like one just kind of shameless pop song on there. At least one, sometimes more than one, and that's that's the one for this record where it's very, yeah, it's like it's like pop music basically. Um, uh, it's got like a you know a rousing kind of sing along. Uh, it isn't words it's just we're singing ooze but it's like in this melody that's uh you know easy to catch on to and easy to sing along with and it's fun and high energy and good good lyrics and uh interesting chord changes and i don't know I, i'm a i'm a fan of that song yeah it, it, i just thought it was great that was another one that was like you said it's memorable like from this from the melody standpoint very melodic really fun poppy song um people are gonna love this album i'm telling you it's 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 a great album and all your albums have been great but this one is just uh really really accessible and when you start touring i'm sure everyone's gonna love it um a couple more things you guys actually have a star on the sort of the equivalent of the hollywood walk of fame in minneapolis at the uh first avenue and what what was that experience like did you play there a lot? I mean, is that yeah. the main venue you played at? Yeah, that was uh, that's like the most iconic uh, venue in Minneapolis. It's been around for a long, long time, and the greatest musicians in the world have played there. Um, and you know, it's the place I, I grew up in Minneapolis here, so it was a place growing up that I'd been to a lot of shows and I never in my wildest dreams thought I would ever play a show there. Uh, like that was just way out of my league. Like I'm never going to be in a band that's going to be able to play there. Um, let alone like sell it out <laughs> like that. That's like out of the question, you know? Uh, but lo and behold, that's what happened. We actually got to play a bunch of shows there and, uh, we actually outgrew it. Like we don't really play there anymore when we play in the cities. Um, so that's amazing. So anyway, they, yeah, they, they, on the outside of, of first Avenue, it's just covered with stars of all of, uh, you know, just people that they decided the, the powers that be at first Avenue there, they decided that they want these bands and musicians on the on the on a star on the side of the thing so there's like you know janice joplin and you know i don't know duran duran and uh you know white zombie and you know so just like a just a wide variety of genres and 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 uh and prince of course prince uh recorded uh his um 
that movie, the Purple Rain, there's some scenes where he's performing live, and that's at First Avenue there. So Prince has a star, and Joe Cocker has a star, and all these people, you know. So it's it's amazing that Trampled by Turtles has a star too. It's pretty awesome. Well, that that's one of those things where you wake wake, wake up and you say, "Hey, we're really doing this. <laughs> we have been for a while." Yeah. Um. So you have a cause that's sort of near and dear to your heart, the Boundary Waters Canoe Wilderness, and you've raised money to support the area. Why is that particular cause important to you guys? And tell me a little bit about it so folks can be introduced to why it's so important to you. Well, yeah, if you're not familiar with the Boundary Waters, I I would suggest people uh, just look it up to see what it is. Uh, it's amazing, but uh, I hope maybe not a whole lot of people look it up so that people don't <laughs> people don't show up there. Um, it's it's like a, there, there's a, a lot of Minnesota, actually, the, the northern shore of Lake Superior is another thing like that, where it's like one of the most beautiful things ever. And not a lot of people around the country know about it, uh, which is awesome. But people should learn about the Boundary Waters because it's, uh, you know, at least they should learn enough about it to to fight for it because it's like one of the last uh, just untouched uh, natural uh, outdoor. Um, it, it's it's like a protected area, uh, very northern Minnesota and, and uh, goes up into Canada. And it's just full of lakes and forest and it's untouched. So you can't, not allowed to drive through it. You have to like, you know, if you're going to, you can go there and camp there and stuff, but you have to like carry everything in and out. Um, so they're, you know, they're very strict about keeping it pristine. And then of course, you know, the politicians um, want to, uh, you know, open it up for mining and stuff or have mining nearby it uh because they apparently can't learn from mistakes in the past and they want to ruin that too for money um it's like um not that this exactly would happen but like a worst case scenario would be something like butte i don't know if you're familiar with butte montana but Mm -hmm. they uh, dug this big copper mine there and uh, you know, took all the copper out of it and other other things, and made you know millions and billions and trillions of dollars off of it. And then the company just left, and they just left this mine there, and it it filled with water. And uh, now it's like a you know a super fun site, like a disaster. It's basically an environmental disaster, mm. and uh, the it's only a matter of time before this water uh, makes its way into the water table. And just poisons all the water all around it, and there, there's nobody to get in trouble. Like nobody, not, the company just like dissolved. I don't know the full story, but like, like the people that did it are off the hook. They they just left or whatever. They quit or whatever they did. I don't know how that works, but somehow they're just off the hook. And now it's just, you know, America's problem. Um, and so yeah, like you know, like uh, birds will land in the water and die because the acidity mm-hmm. is high you know um and so there's actually like you know uh uh uh, motion detectors around there so like if if birds kind of swoop in like it'll blare some alarm to scare them off so that they don't even even just landing in the water will kill them 
so, you know, uh, like a, a Trump uh, a while back was like actively, I don't know. He he mentioned it at least in a in a speech or two. Where's like, the, why are we saving? Why are we saving this? Like, there's so much money to be made or whatever. And there's other politicians too, like uh, too, uh, like local local ones that are um, just terrible people down in their <laughs> their heart. I think I don't know, uh, but it's it's very important. It's uh, we there's no reason there's no reason to destroy that. There's no reason to it. There's, I mean, uh, the only reason is for money. Then that's not a good enough reason. So, well, beautifully said. There was a uh, a big time agreement. I think that was just ratified in Canada that that's meant to protect all the species around the world that are endangered and um, creating land for them. And we'll see we'll see how that goes. But um, thanks for bringing that to everyone's attention because it's so important that we um, maintain our beautiful scenic uh, land that we have in this country and, and around the world, but um, yeah. that, uh, and, and maintaining the places that our species can live and thrive. So important. Um, but Ryan, thank you so much for uh, joining us. I really had so much fun talking to you about Alpenglow and Trampled by Turtles and, um, you know, can't wait to see you on tour. That would be lovely. I would love to see you there. All right, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Ryan Young, the fiddle player from the festival favorite band from Duluth, Minnesota, Trampled by Turtles. He told us about the band's recording process and what it took to make their new album, Alpenglow. He also talked about working with Wilco frontman Jeff Tweedy and what he added as Alpenglow's producer. If you are a Trampled by Turtles fan, then you will love the new album. And if this is your first introduction to the band, you'll become an instant fan. Thanks again to Ryan for joining us on Insights. And from all of us here at Diddy TV, thanks for tuning in today. And we hope to see you again soon, right here on Insights. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.